Well, say was a truthful statement. That's it right there, right? Our God saves. I hope you are uh, enjoying this uh, Labor Day weekend. To me, that has always been the most awkwardly placed holiday ever. We just got back. Students just came back. Some of them traveled long distances. People were just coming back to church. People, would, you know, you know what I'm saying. And then the next week, we're off again. I mean, what's with that? Could they not have given us this in a month from now or something like that when we really kind of need it? Anyway, I think I know what the culprit is. They want to make sure we're off for that first true football weekend. I think that's what it is. <laughs> But friends, football does not save, right? Our God saves. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn to 2 Thessalonians, mention that now so you have a chance to find it. If you get all the way to Hebrews, you're too far, right? Just back up a bit, right? Um, if you notice the front page of the bulletin, you'd have seen I called this message Growing Faith. And some of you may be wondering, say, well, you know, what, how does faith grow? It's just faith, is it not? We believe in God, and that's it. How do you grow in that? Well, if you think of faith as some kind of mental ascent, and that's it, that may be um, one way of, of saying, well, growth is a strange kind of concept when it comes to that. But the Bible never talks about this. We are placed here before a new church season, this is the first or second Sunday, last Sunday we call the first Sunday of, of the new church season, but we are also placed before a new season for the church. As you know, the uh, pulpit committee is working uh, hard and, and praying as we all are that God will, uh, will lead someone to uh, this place as a permanent pastor uh, in, the, in the future and soon. Think about faith for a moment. Can I ask you a question just more or less directed to you? Are you all ever thinking about the size of your faith? Or what it would take for your faith to grow. Or how it even give any kind of meaning to talk about growing faith. I could ask it in a very different way and ask simply, <clears throat> do you think that if your faith grows, it will impact the way you live? It will impact the people around you. I may even broaden it up and ask about the whole church. If we talk about the faith of the church, if the faith of First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches grows, will it be visible? Will it impact Nacogdoches? Will things begin to be different? Let's read. And I kind of want to ask this question as we read that. What kind of faith 
can grow and what happens when it does. Just one verse. If you have found it, if you have the true word of God like this, right, it'll be page 999, yes? (laughs) We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Keep your Bibles open. I'm going to refer to verse 4 in a short while. Paul came to Thessalonica on his way to Corinth. Thessalonica was a large trading city. It's an imperial in a it, a majestic city in many ways, bustling, hustling, full of people from everywhere coming to there, imperial in many ways. Even later on, it become a great kind of center for the Christian church. But as Paul comes, of course, there are no Christians there. He's passing through, and this is one of these places you must stop. And as he does always, you can read about it in chapter 17 of Acts. He comes to the city. He enters the place where faith was most likely to be found. So he enters the synagogue and he begins to tell them that that Messiah they're waiting for is Jesus Christ. And some come to faith and a lot of people get really upset and they are so upset that they create an uproar and a an excitement in town that is out to kill Paul. And Paul would have to flee. They even take out the play, the, the owner, Jason, of the house that he stayed in and flog him. Paul slips away, has only been there for about three weeks or so. Imagine this. A large, large, important city filled with people from everywhere, with all kinds of backgrounds and philosophies and ideas and religions. Three weeks. And now he's able to write back to them and say this. We owe it to you, my dear friends, to talk about your faith everywhere because it is growing Ever growing. In fact, that word that I'll translate, the one I read from this morning, NIV, ought, that word really means that we owe it to pay back to you. It's a debt kind of word. We're in debt to you. We, we owe to you that we talk about your faith everywhere. What he's really saying is that the church in Thessalonica is so important because they were so young, so fragile, but their faith was already so strong that he can use them as an example. And he ought never, ever to pass up an opportunity. He owed to them, in fact, not to do that, to speak about their faith and their love for one another. This is so strong that even the next verse, Paul admits he's a little bit like a proud dad. You know, 
like some of you would write, well, I probably shouldn't say this, but I can't help it. This is my kid, right? They're fantastic, right? They're like amazing. There may be others that are good, but none like, you know, he's like that. Look at verse 4. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and the faith in all the persecutions. Three weeks in, friends, and he had to leave or he would have been killed. What kind of faith is it? That he now hears about continues to grow ever so much more and more and more. Well, if growing faith is one that looks itself in the mirror. That's why I began by asking you this question. Do you think it matters if your faith increases? Will it matter? And will it be visible to those around you. You know, there are people sometimes they speak about the church as if it was in the third person and, and they sometimes are less than, than generous and kind. Church doesn't quite live up to their expectations. But let me ask this. When you look yourself in the mirror, And you ask, God, what about my faith? Do you see a growing faith? Because you, friends, you are the church. You don't attend the church, right? You don't come to worship in the church. You are the church. You represent the church. Think of a body. Take, up a, take out a cell, and the full DNA of you will be in that cell, yes? It's not a cell that attends your body, right? It is a part of who you are, just like I don't attend my family. I am the Vongs. My wife is the Vongs. My kids are the Vangs, right, or the Vongs, Yes? We don't attend the Vongs. That's who we are. We represent that. If you come in and be with us, you are with the Vongs, yes? So you look yourself in the mirror, and you're looking at First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches. That's it. And as we grasp that, it will change all kinds of things. The church is never different or stronger than that collected group that is meeting. And that collected group consists of you. Can it be, can it really be, sometimes you hear people and they They talk about things that others are doing or not doing, and they are not quite up to their standards. And when I hear that, I usually want to say, surely 
We have more important things to do than that. Talked about tasks last time. I think this ties in. In fact, if you look back over the last several weeks, you'll see we have dealt with this issue of faith and it being alive and life-giving and so on. And, and I want us to kind of look at what kind of faith is it that can grow. Maybe I can begin by saying one of the difficulties I think we have with this is that I say that word. Faith. And people have all kinds of different associations, ideas, conceptions of what that means. For some people, faith is like a kind of a self-hypnosis of sorts. It's just like the people when they get themselves in the right state of mind, they can walk on glowing coals or red hot iron and not burn their feet. And you can get to that kind of stage of Hypnosis, if you will, you have faith, even strong faith. Others have some kind of idea that faith is being able to believe that which is completely, utterly unbelievable. If you can truly, 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 truly believe what is not true, then because you can truly, truly, truly believe it, it must be true and you have grand faith. The more incredible things that we can believe, the greater our faith. But none of those kinds of ideas is what Jesus is talking about, certainly not what he tries to inspire when he talks to people about having faith. Some even have the idea that they create their own future. They have enough faith. Then things are going to be created simply by their faith. But your faith does not create reality. Christian faith rather allows you to join in with the reality that is God's promise. I hope you see the difference. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. The faith that Jesus inspired was the faith that made reformers stand firm against all kinds of odds. It's the kind of faith that, that made the martyrs hold on to ultimate triumph. It's the kind of faith that allowed Christians to see things in the spiritual realm that otherwise could not see, to know things about God that otherwise they would not know. The faith that, that Jesus talks about is the faith that reaches up and gets a hold of the power from above to live it out in this earth below. Maybe I can say it even more succinctly and simply say Christian faith is to bet one's life that God speaks the truth. He speaks the truth through his son, Jesus Christ. Even when that seems countercultural, 
Even when it seems counterintuitive to what people everywhere around us are saying and claiming. In fact, that's exactly what happened in Thessalonica, friends. Everything that Christian faith brought to these young, newly converted people that claimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Everything about it was countercultural to that Greco-Roman world that permeated the society in Thessalonica and Corinth and Rome and so on. That whole environment. It was even counterintuitive to the way that they had been taught and grown up to learn to think. Because now, Jesus is leading the way and what he says matters. Some are saying, you know what I think, I can't believe until I have proof. Ever heard that? We know that from all, all levels. Kind of half-studied know-it-alls crossing their arms around their, on their chest like this and say, can you prove it to me? Scientifically. As if science was the only instrument to measure truth. Come on. Others, in somewhat kind of nonchalant, leaning back in their armchairs and say, maybe I'll believe, what do I get out of it? As if personal interest and pleasure gives meaning to life at all. Cautious Christians say we have to be realistic now. Well, we got to be realistic now. We've never done this before this way, never. As if God does not have greater possibility and greater vision that we could possibly have. Most people want evidence and proof. But friends, when you start thinking about it, evidence is even more difficult to define than the very faith they want evidence for. In fact, nothing is more diffused than evidence and proof, really. Proof is something that is in a kind of strange way, aloof, that you may hear enough and then you conclude, well, because of all this stuff that I've heard, that must be so. I got my evidence down. And some lawyer will look at you and say, <laughs> that doesn't prove anything. That's anecdotal nonsense. And then he makes up a case and he finds, I got solid, slam door, absolute truth. And some expert comes up and say, you don't know much, do you? You can look at this from this angle and this angle and this will just completely unravel your case. Proof is never more than what I demand as a satisfaction for, okay, I'm convinced kind of thing. Don't hide yourself, friends. 
I'm just telling you, whether you're sitting here, you're listening on TV, on, on the streaming, don't hide yourself in some kind of need for proof. Only the one who openly recognizes that the proof that I need, that I demand, may not be proof that is final anyway to everybody. Trust the Lord. As we said last Sunday night when we went through also Ecclesiastes, now when everything is tried, everything is said and done, one thing is left. Just trust the Lord. Well, some people say, well, what we really need, we just need, you know, blind faith. But again, nothing could be further from the truth than that. Blind faith says yes, even if every last evidence says no. Christian faith, to the contrary, says yes because all the important proofs say yes. All the important evidence say yes. And the smaller little bitty pieces, well, who care about those? When you're looking for God, look for the big truth that is his. Christian faith is willing to bet his life that the content of our faith, God himself, is truthful and powerful. It doesn't matter much. If you say that God is almighty, if you will not bow in humility before him. It does not matter that you say God has the power to heal if you never pray for that power of healing. Words matters little. Christian faith is willing to put his life on the line because it's truly convinced that God as he reveals himself through Jesus Christ, as you hear about him through his holy word, is absolutely trustworthy and faithful and powerful. I think we all know situations where we claim that we believe things, and then when it comes down to it, we might not quite as much, yes? We can get all kinds of examples of that, right? You know, do we believe that we can jump out and then bungee jump and the elastic band will not crack? Yeah, we probably do. Will everybody do? Maybe not so much, right? Imagine this very deep ravine and there's this narrow board crossing it and the guy on a motorbike is just going back and forth. And so you're in the crowd and he says to someone, do you want to jump on and I'll take you over? Yeah, he jumps on and he takes them over, comes right back, takes another one over, comes right back, takes another one over, comes right back. And then now it's your turn. And you say, do you believe I can do it? Absolutely, I believe. I've just seen it many times. So jump on and we'll go. And tell him, well, not so fast. 
Not so fast. Christian faith, friends, puts its life on the line. Claiming, believing, being convinced that God speaks the truth. And life will be better if we live it according to his call. The book of Hebrews puts it this way. It's, it's not enough for faith just to believe that God exists, but also that he rewards those who are seeking him. That's the kind of faith that can grow. Christians are not just church members or church attenders. They are not just adherents of or supporters of certain dogmatic sentences or teachings. They're people. We are people who have received a brand new life. And we live it <clears throat> because God's Spirit has come into our lives. We know who God is, how God is, what God wants, because through God's Spirit, we have come to know God. The faith that grows is a faith that is willing to bet its life that God, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, have a claim on our lives. That's the kind of faith that Paul is talking about when he says, we owe it to you, friends, always to give thanks to God for you, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more and more. It's like taking steps. I don't know if we've ever thought of that. We come to faith. We walk the aisle. We sign some kind of form, whatever. Shake the pastor's hand. Maybe say a prayer. Get baptized. And if we're really good, go to Sunday school. Am I misrepresenting anything? Growing in faith as we read what God says, we, we listen to him as we pray, we know his, the presence of his spirit, and we take steps. You think, I think this is what he's calling me to do. We step out, and sometimes we step right, and we grow. We think, wow, I can do this with God. We take another step, wow, I can do this with God. Sometimes we misstep, and we're back to square one, and we go on again. Growing faith. Trusting God and, and stepping out where we had not stepped before. Not reducing that to some kind of, Lord bless the world and me and my family, amen, kind of scenario that lasts about 10 seconds a day. Growing faith sees God's possibilities. 
The word that Paul is using right here for more and more, if you will, growing more and more, actually, actually is, is a word that speaks to continuing or persistent, non-stopping kind of growth. In fact, what Paul is saying is your faith is growing persistently in such a way it looks like there's not going to be any limit to your faith growth. And you read this and you know from church history that that, that became that little church where he had three weeks with them before he had to leave to save literally his life. You read about that. That became a center for Christianity in that whole region. An amazing kind of thing. It's the kind of faith that subscribes to the fact that nothing, nothing is impossible for God. The faith that motivated the little shepherd boy David when he stood before the giant Goliath. No one else who should have stood there to take him out were there. And so he trusted and saw God's faithfulness. I fought others before and come out good. Do you, friend, have such a faith? As I speak these words, I think that some of you may be hearing this in a kind of religious way. That this has to do with something that is running parallel maybe to my reality, to my other kind of life. There are no other lives, right? There is one life that you have. One life that you have. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us a list of the gifts of the Spirit. And the third in that list is a gift of faith. And it's too involved right now to get into an exposition of, of all of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. But let me just say this, that what you will notice very quickly is the more people are willing to do or make use of the gift of faith, the greater blessing the greater transformation into Christ-likeness they will experience. You know, I visited churches around the globe, literally, and you come into some, and they're amazingly huge, gigantous. You come into others, and they are exquisitely beautiful. You visit with other churches and their music is heavenly. There will be others where the pastor and the preacher is, is famous around the world, an extraordinarily God-gifted person. But friends, when you come in to a church and you already in the foyer, senses that this is a place of faith. 
This is a place of hope, of trusting God. This is a place of deep love, genuine desire to see God's hand. When you face that and sense that, feel that, even in the foyer of the church, you know you have been in a place where God is visiting. You know it. That's where it is. And when you've had that experience, you know that's the place where faith grows. Yes? As we stand before a new, not just church season, but season for the church. Can that be our prayer? Can that be your prayer? Because you see that faith, growing faith, is visible faith. Paul continues right here <clears throat> by saying that the faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. That in itself, of course, is astounding. I wonder sometimes, we have become so, I don't know if it's bashfulness or something else. I'll let you decide that. That we, we would just use words, well, you know, we don't know what is really growing down there. Seed was sown, right? We don't know what is really deep down in someone's soul, as if we shouldn't expect harvest after seeding, right? Or we say, well, you know, so there's, we just don't know the inner beings of someone as if it was about hiding one's faith. I don't say that in any other way than as a point of encouragement. But growing faith is visible. You sense it. You are among people and there is an inspiration and a presence of God that is just both sensible and visible. Spurgeon said one time, I think many of you know that famed preacher by many called the greatest preacher since Paul. Spurgeon said, there are people who speak about faith. They rationalize faith. They explain faith in such a way that it's in no way worth living for and certainly not worth dying for. What about our faith? What about your faith? Is it worth living for? Dying for? What do you desire for this church that we radiate, that people experience as they step in among us? As you walk around and people see you is faith visible God says through the prophet and I'm going to end with this I will pour out 
my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old folks shall dream dreams and your young ones shall see visions. The old folks dream dreams. I think sometimes in our society we get to this notion, once I reach a certain age, I'm okay being on cruise control. Friends, there are hundreds and thousands of people that are exactly your age who may be months or years from seeing their last day who are going to talk to them about faith if you're not. The old people shall dream dreams about how God can use them. Young people see visions for God's involvement in their lives, for how their whole life can be guided and led by God. That when they get to that place where all they can do is to sit in their chair and pray, they can look back and say, God used me. Visions and dreams have this in common with faith that they anticipate God's great work. Are you hearing this? What is the difference? The difference is anticipation. God can and God will use me, use us right here in this setting. We owe it to you, friends, always to thank God for you. Because your faith is growing more and more and then more and more and more and more. The question is, if you're willing, I'm willing, we're willing. So faith, our faith, your faith becomes visible in God's kingdom in Nacogdoches, in First Baptist Church, in your own life. Father, when we open your word and we see just a few words like these in a single verse, spoken first to a church was as newly born as as even possible. And then through them and through that same letter to us, we are stilled. And our hearts cry out. And we say, Lord, use us. We want a faith like that. that One that can be spoken of as being a growing faith. Father, I don't know everyone who is listening to this. I don't even know how many will be listening outside even of this room. But what we ask is that your word will have a transformative function and action in our lives. Amen. Friends, let's stand. Let's have a word of prayer.
I mean, let's, let's uh, sing song invitation is what I meant. I know God has spoken to some of us. He sure did to me. Whatever God is doing and talking to you about, may this be the moment. Don't just say, okay, I heard that. Deal with the Lord as he tells you to.